Hello, I'm Charlie Cesera and welcome to the Coach's Voice CV Spaces podcast. Each week, usually on a Monday at 5.30, we're joined by two highly qualified coaches live on Twitter Spaces. That's where we dissect one of the most interesting tactical points from the weekend's action, as well as sharing coaching advice and insights with our audience. This week, we'll be doing a tactical analysis of Tottenham versus Liverpool after their entertaining 2-2 draw at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and discuss coaching overloads. Delighted to be joined by the UEFA A and Aston Villa Academy coach um, and analyst for ourselves, Coach's Voice, uh, Sam Hudson. How's it going, Sam? Good, thanks, Charlie. How are you? Not too bad. You looking forward to Christmas, mate? Uh, yes and no. Hopefully, as long as the the football continues over the next couple of weeks. Um, but um, yeah, it'd be nice to have the you know, the days off and see family and stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And alongside Sam, we're excited to welcome to CV Spaces the former Stevenage and Oldham head coach, who is now uh, Jimmy Floyd's assistant at Burton Albion, Dino Mamria. Hi, Dino. How's it going? Hi, Charlie. Hi, Sam. Hi, everybody. Dino, before we start, what does Christmas look like for an assistant head coach? I'm just busy watching games, uh, preparing <laughs> the team. Obviously, Christmas Day is with the kids. Uh, I've got uh, a girl and a boy, and uh, we have very special time on Christmas Day. Uh, but Boxing Day, back to football straight away. Good stuff, good stuff. OK, let's crack on. Let's talk about our coaching theme. As we said, we're going to talk about um, Tottenham and Liverpool, and we're going to talk about coaching overloads as well. Um, but firstly, Dino, what did you make of yesterday's game uh, at, between Tottenham and Liverpool? It was a fantastic game, actually. It's, uh, it had everything in it. Uh, obviously, it had uh, uh, the tactical master, masterclass from both managers. Uh, they both had their game plan. Uh, and I think at the end of 90 minutes, uh, both head coaches probably happy with the outcome of the game. Uh, probably Liverpool will feel more aggrieved for the decision against them from the referee. Uh, but Spurs, who probably the other side, will be still slightly disappointed with the chance they missed. But overall, it was a, it was a great game to watch. Absolutely. Um, and Sam, what were your thoughts on Antonio Conte's 3-5-2 that he deployed uh, and, and Son of Kane as the front two? Um, I think you're already starting to see some ideas from what, what Conte wants, even though he's you know only had a few games with, with, with them missing COVID over the last few weeks. He probably hasn't had that much time on the training ground to go through a lot of his ideas. But you can see little things like the round-the-corner passes from the centre-mids that he's, he's used quite a lot and he's quite key in Conte's style. And, and th- those Deli Alley runs for the for the first time really under Conte, they've been kind of a long-standing part of, of Conte's ideas. If you go all the way back to... Juventus, where we had people like Pogba and Vidal running forward with Italy. You know, I remember going to the Euros in, in France in 2016, watching Italy, and they had their centre midfielders running running alongside um, Pelé and Edda, and then at, at Inter more recently with Barella. So, so those forward runs from from one of the eights was was a real standout point for me, and and how they how they obviously then support Son and Kane, because I think Son and Kane as a pairing. Uh, they're really, really useful in terms of they work off each other well. They can kind of deal with any any backline they play against. You've got Son's pace and his directness to go in behind. You've got Kane who can link the play, and it's no coincidence that last year when they got they broke the record, I think, didn't they, for the for the goal 
kind of combinations as a two. They, they clearly really have some strong partnership with, when they're the, the two highest attackers. And and with Liverpool kind of defending how they did yesterday, it was it was uh, really interesting to see how that Son Kane relationship has started to develop. As you say, in Conte's three five two. Sam, do you think um, Conte's played that system um, as a game plan against Liverpool and how they play? Because I was quite surprised to see the likes of um, Deli Ali and Dombele playing. Uh, or do you think now this is what he's gonna? This is gonna be his his playing style for Tottenham going forward. I don't know to be honest. I mean, it's as I said. There's there's some things that you can see that that Conte's done. As I said at Juventus, Italy. Um, Chelsea was was not as so much a three five two, but then into he has got a lot of kind of key characteristics from his teams, and and those players were doing that. And maybe he's just trying to work out how he can get. I mean, getting the best out of Deli Ali is is a big thing for Tottenham because you know Mourinho couldn't really do it. Um, he started to dip off towards the end at Pochettino, and and those forward runs from midfield in Tottenham squad probably Deli Ali is perfect for that. So, so maybe that three-five-two has been designed for uh, as an idea. What Conte thinks about how can I get the best out of Ali, um, and again getting the best out of Ndombele as well. But I wouldn't have thought, uh, as it was yesterday, Ndombele is probably not the the box-to-box lung-breaking runner. He's the, the the one on the ball that releases the wing backs, um, and it could as well just be a case that, that you know what he wants to go back to the the, the back five and shore up the defence and. And give that extra to support for the for the fullbacks or the wingbacks because I think Tottenham, if you look at their their kind of fullback players, they're not the strongest one versus one. But if you put that extra centre back in, then then it can strengthen obviously them as, as an individual defender to to like we saw yesterday try and deal with with overloads in the wide areas. But um, it will be interesting to see whether he sticks with the three five two or or does he go to kind of two more number ten types around Kane with say Kane and then Son and Ali or Ndombele higher. Um, only time will tell, I guess. Yeah, I thought Deli Ali had a great game yesterday. Um, but moving on to Liverpool, Dino. Yeah, yeah. Well, just on that point, I, I think uh, for sure, uh, I think that uh, Conte had uh, two weeks to prepare for this game. Uh, I'm quite sure that he prepared to play 3-5-2 against Liverpool to obviously nullify Liverpool threats and create opportunity for his team to get a, a Liverpool exposed back four. Uh, he knows uh, pretty well that his uh, Liverpool fullbacks get forward really well, uh, leave their two centre-backs exposed, especially without the Van Dijk in the team. Uh, so he decided to play as a two with, with Kane and, and Son together to create those problems for them in those channels between the fullback and the, the centre-backs, which he worked brilliant. And then he... he uh, obviously, put Dali Ali in his natural position as a ten, uh, as a, as a late runner from midfield to support those two. Uh, to look at that, I thought he did really well in terms of uh, uh, exposing Liverpool's weakness, if that makes sense, especially in transition. Then he's gone to a back five. Uh, obviously, he uh, he realizes uh, Liverpool overloads in forward areas. Uh, uh, Liverpool with Mane, Salah, Jota their threats, if he put a back four against them, uh, I think he will get exposed against those three. So I think he's gone to a five on purpose. Uh, he almost defended with seven players and he attacked with three. And, uh, and his plan, uh, with, the created the, with the chance that they created, 
you see that I'm, I'm, I'm certain he, he worked out in the last 10 days, two weeks they, they, they've been off and, uh, and nearly came off, nearly came off. Obviously, uh, Liverpool is a strong team and they will always uh, create a problem for any team. And, uh, and that was the other side of, uh, of, uh, of the game where when Liverpool attacked, probably the biggest thing we've seen yesterday was, uh, was the Liverpool fullbacks and the influence they made in the game. I think both of them had two shots, clear chances each. Uh, obviously, Robertson he scored one and created one, uh, as well as being sent off. So, so I think, uh, I, I think uh, just on that, your first question to Sam there, I think Conte reverted from his uh, favourite uh, shape, which is 3-4-3 to 3-5-2, just to make sure that he's prepared. And that was the best, uh, the best way to play against Liverpool team. Really good point. And it shows his class that he managed to get the players to deliver it. And if you look at the XG, 2.62, um, they really should have taken those chances. But Dino, I was going to ask you about Jurgen Klopp. Um, are you a fan of his? And how did you think his side um, dealt dealt with Tottenham yesterday, especially with that depleted midfield? Well, I think he was surprised. I think he was surprised how, uh, how Spurs... Uh, the... Spurs shape first and foremost. He was surprised that uh, he played three five two. That's the first thing you can see that you can see that they were ready for that, and that's why they conceded the chance that they have conceded early in the game, especially. Um, and then obviously, uh, uh, his uh, Jurgen Klopp normally is all about his team. He doesn't look too much about the opposition. Maybe one or two games a season where he looks at opposition, when he probably played Chelsea or Man City, he will tweak his team slightly. But overall, Jurgen Klopp, he always keeps the same, play the same way. Uh, high intensity, high press, uh, creating overloading wide areas, uh, making, uh, uh, delivering uh, clever balls to Salah, Jota, uh, Firmino if he plays, to Mane, uh, to create problems for teams. They're still very, very good in transition. The attack teams, although like yesterday, it was quite all the way around yesterday because Spurs obviously conceded possession and sat a little bit deeper. Uh, that didn't give Liverpool the chance to counter teams. Uh, actually, uh, Liverpool were, were were counted instead. Uh, that probably gave him something to think about because now teams will probably be thinking, well, maybe that's the best way to play against Liverpool team. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, we're going to talk about overloads in a bit, but Sam... Switching the play, especially for Liverpool, you see it time and time again. Trent and uh, Robertson sort of switching that play, and the, and, and they're away. Um, how important is that to Liverpool system, and um, even to Spurs system, really? And I don't know if you had any coaching advice on kind of how how people can train that sort of stuff, switching the play. It's yeah, it's a, a key part of the game, I think. Um... You know, when when teams are defending, they obviously have to leave your space somewhere on the pitch. And, and Dina just said it there about how Tottenham sat off, and and with that five three two, the, the spaces are going to be in the wide areas. So, so Liverpool, you know, tried to exploit that, and and particularly with Trent, you've probably got one of the, the best players in the world who can switch the play from touchline to touchline, going from fullback to fullback. I think you start to see it a lot more where. Fullback switch directly to the other fullback, particularly as more and more teams attack with with wide players and the wingers going inside. So that fullback to fullback switch is pretty key, particularly if um, if the space it is on the wide area where where Tottenham like they did yesterday, they, they let Liverpool come forward, try and lock the ball on one side, 
So as they try and lock the ball on that side, they're going to have to leave space on on the, the opposite side of the pitch. Um, and then when you've got somebody like Trent who can not just switch the play accurately, but he can do it off both feet. I think yesterday he had a shot off his left foot that, that was well saved by the goalie. Um, he's, he's fantastic with, with both feet and, and that's a huge part of, of being able to switch the play. So if you do get pressed straight away, then you know you can deal with, on that first touch, you can deal with it as the receiver. But then as the actual player making the switch, you can use both feet. And if you get pressed one way, you, know, you can go the other way and, and still switch the play effectively. Um, and it can be also used kind of in the final third as well. There's more of a more of an aspect of patience when teams like Tottenham did at times. Yes, they defend really compact, really really organised with that back five and then the three in front in, in that low block. Instead of just constantly just crossing and hoping someone gets on the end of it, that, that patience element where you come back out and, and maybe you go full back to full back again. But you, you're trying to play your way in as opposed to as I said, just going for the wide area and then just swinging crosses in, particularly if you've got... I don't know, Yotta does, does surprisingly well at times in the air, but um, that switch of play and that patience in the final third is is pretty critical. Um, well, the first thing, obviously, if you're going to switch the play, you need your pitch design and your pitch set up to, to reflect those spaces. So kind of games that are and pitches that are wider than they are longer is probably a good place to start. So then you're, you're encouraging... You know, teams to use that space and and kind of different constraints on the team out of possession to to uh, to focus on on staying compact centrally. So then it leaves the wide areas free is is um it is pretty key. Um, kind of little points and rules and constraints you can put on where you, if you visit both wide areas and you score, you can get you know extra goals. Or if you wanted to go for a for a repetition element, um, or if it's more of a, a realism thing with the more 11 v 11 10 v 10 stuff again giving teams different objectives and setting them up kind of structurally to initially leave wide areas free or, or push full backs forward for example that's um there's probably some good places to start i think i use battle of play for several years now and i find that really helpful to the players to see clear pictures to see what you're trying to uh, what you're trying to create uh uh, and you make it easier visually for the players as well and uh, and to help them. A repetition, like you said, as well. So if you got... Uh, it, it was it was clear what Liverpool was trying to do yesterday uh, when they realised uh, Spurs were playing with 3-5-2. Uh, obviously, like you said, Sam, in the 3-5-2, uh, the wide area quite uh, quite void. And and what, what Liverpool tried to do is try to get to overload between the full-back and, uh, and Liverpool wide players uh, against the wing back of Spurs, and you work to a certain degree. Uh, you've seen how many crosses Liverpool put in, the chances they created, all from crosses as well. Uh, so, so th- that's why I think it was a, it was kind of tactical masterclass between the two brilliant, brilliant coaches. Uh, it was such a joy to watch. Yeah, just just one thing on that, Charlie. Dina's just got my brain thinking. Um, what we saying at the start about how how good the game was and um. Yeah, I think Dino spot on there where, where Liverpool were pretty quick to, to to see Tottenham set up how they did. But it's quite interesting that both coaches were still quite brave, I thought, throughout. And it could have been quite easy, particularly after Spurs Absolutely. went 1-0 went up. It could have been very easy for Conte to tell Son, for example, right, come, come back and, yeah. and track one of the full-backs and we'll just leave Kane up there. But Son stayed up there. And then vice versa with with Tottenham having some you know reasonable success on the counter-attack, again, Klopp could have said to the full-backs, either one or both of them, come sit in, let's absorb some of the pressure for a little bit. So it was 
it was just just thinking then it was quite brave of both coaches to just you know stick with what you believe in and stick with what you focus on in your style of playing your philosophy and your ideas and that probably contributed to the you know, the, the spectacle as much as as anything else yeah it's two top coaches it was a joy to watch and it's exactly when every time liverpool play man city it's just great to see those elite guys um and their team how well they're drilled and trained I love how Man City play. I'm obsessed with Pep, so don't start me on Pep. Uh, every time I watch them, I make sure I get uh, I get a wide angle to watch it and analyse it. So I watch the, their games as a fan, and then uh, and then I watch them again as well on my laptop. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a big, massive admirer of how Man City play and how Pep, the Pep City seem to play. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the coaching uh, theme for this week on overloads, and feel free to give examples uh, from Manchester City if you want, but Yesterday, for large periods, Liverpool did sort of sustain pressure in the middle of the game and they created loads of wide overloads against Spurs' narrow 3-5-2. Um, first of all, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Sam, what what is an overload? Uh, I guess, putting it simply, it's probably when a team has more players than the other in a specific area of the pitch. So, you know, describe it numerically, like 3v2, 2v1, um, come from a central player moving wide or a wide player moving inside, um, a player moving into a different line, for example. So if you have a quite a common one when teams try and play out is the, the, the central defensive midfielder, or I call it the number four, some people call it the six, um, like dropping back in between or around the centre-backs to, to give an extra player for build-up. So it's generally it's that, that numerical overload. And Sam, is there... Any specific formations that you would say were best for creating overloads? Um, but probably not not so much. I mean, if you had kind of certainly on paper like a four three three against a four four two, and straight away there you go. Well, the the three centre mids will overload the, the two. The the back four would overload the front three. The back four would overload the front two. Um, but it, it's more the movements which which gives you kind of different overloads and, and the, the fluidity of the game gives you the overloads as opposed to, I mean, like we've, we've, we've both said, kind of that 5-3-2 structure that Tottenham use, every formation and structure that you use leaves spaces somewhere on the pitch and, and gives you strengths and weaknesses, but it's more the movements and especially nowadays with players like we've seen with Trent and Robertson who've totally changed how the modern fullback plays that, that, you, you're defending one position, but probably attacking in, in something that's very different. And, and that contributes to, to the overloads probably a lot more than one formation versus the other, I would say. And Dino, I don't know if you had a main thought on overloads. I don't know if you were, uh, is it if it was something that was talked about as much as it is uh, now while you're a player, or is it something that you coach uh, your team or your previous teams? No, I think uh, I think Sam uh, as was spot on. To be fair, uh, overload is everything in football. Uh, if you are a possession-based team, which is most teams are these day, this day and age, uh, you have to create overload somewhere on the pitch. You start with overload if you're playing from the back. How can you use the goalkeeper to create an overload to get you out of the first line of press? When you go through the first line of press, how where's your next overload uh, to get behind the opposition team? And whichever shape you play is a back three, is a back four. Uh, a three-five-two, a four-diamond-two. Uh, I've had the, the privilege and experience to play all those shapes. I think you look at all those shapes. The first thing is you assess your team. Your team. You look at your players. 
what they have, what's the strength, and what's the best uh, the best shape that can accommodate them first and foremost. Similar to what Conte did yesterday with Dali Ali. Obviously, he wouldn't be able to fit Dali Ali in three four three like Sam said, but he felt that in a three five two could fit him well. And uh, and I think that's what you got to do. And then uh, in terms of working overloads, uh, you, you you got to break the pitch in in uh, in three third to start with. And you try and make sure that your team in every, whatever the ball is, trying to create an overload uh, against the opposition to, to create opportunity for your team. Um, I think uh, I think most of our training uh, is based on creating overload, uh, especially well with the ball. Uh, and you try and do that without the ball as well, because a lot of people, they say, it's creating overload, it's all about the ball. But actually defend, defending as well, it can create, uh, and we try and do that, uh, always having that spare man uh, at our level certainly maybe a higher level you can afford to leave 2v2 on the back like Liverpool did yesterday uh, our level we always try to keep the extra defender if that makes sense for security uh, but each level to itself and I think uh, creating overload it's very it's everything in football is with the ball without the ball uh, I, I love how uh, like I mentioned earlier how Man City Pep used those overloads. He used overloads in every area of the pitch. What he starts doing is use his goalkeeper really well from the back. A great distribute of the ball. Uh, if the team's opposition go uh, one against one all over the park, he's happy to go behind uh, to use uh, the pace of his forward. And then, uh, and then if they're playing from the back, he can, he, he can go straight to midfield. He go to happy to go to uh, the full backs as well. Uh, but the most, uh, the biggest thing I take from uh, from how Man City play in the attacking third, they create this overload uh, in the byline between the six yard and eighteen yard zone. That area is undefendable, and you see most of Man City goal people see those pullbacks to second six yards as well. So they create an overload wide areas uh, where where Mares with uh, with one of their tens go to the byline and pull it back. On the other side, like Sterling, Jack Grealish, they always have two players there, three players, one going to the world byline, that pass got to get through to the byline, and that pass will pull back. And that's why we see probably 90% of Man City goals come from that six-yard areas by pullbacks. And uh, that's quite fascinating to see. It's very predictable. Everybody knows what they're going to do, but they're so good at it. And, uh, and the execution is, is absolutely second to none. Uh, and that's because of work, 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 work in the training ground, uh, a pattern of play, repetition. Uh, it becomes that second nature for the player to execute on match day. Just something Dina just said then about kind of like the overloads is everything in the game. Uh, and a lot of times, and I'll do it myself, when you think about overloads, you always think about the in-possession stuff. Um, but like Dina just said then about the out-of-possession overloads, and it can make your life a lot easier from a defensive perspective where... If you have a defensive overload, it should help you defend much better with more effective and more consistent pressure on the ball, more cover, more compactness. Um, and I think that's where maybe Liverpool struggled a little bit yesterday in the sense that they didn't turn that 2v2 into a 3v2 or 4v2 enough with the two centre-backs against Son and Kane. But then those players that are covering for Trent and Robertson to push forward to, to help overload that when the ball did turn over yesterday it was kind of Morton and, and Milner as the covering players and I'm sure uh, Morton the young lad I'm sure he got booked quite early on 
20 odd minutes. So from from his perspective there, he's defending the counter and it's he's on a yellow already. That's very, very different to defending without a yellow card. Um and and their inability with obviously Milner's, you know, aging and his ability to, to cover box to box as one of those covering players to to help the centre backs turn that into a like I say three v two maybe defensive overload. If you put Fabinho and Van um and Henderson in those covering roles, it could have been quite a different story yesterday in terms of Tottenham's counter attacks. Um and it, it was just Dino then saying about the defensive overloads as well. It's it's important enough that coaches work on attacking overloads because it should help you create better chances. But the, the work rate and that desire to create de- defensive overloads is is just as important. While working on the uh, listen, what are you saying, Sal, about uh, you know the working hard to create overloads? I think uh, there is no surprise there. Uh, probably the teams who work the hardest, uh, who their physical data is always the highest, it's Man City and Liverpool. And, uh, and, mm-hmm. and people see just their technical and tactical side of their game. But actually to see their physical data as well is quite fascinating because those players work very, very hard with the ball and without the ball to, create, to try and create an overloads. Because when you have the ball, you need option on the ball and, uh, and you need two, three options. And when you haven't got the ball, you've got to make sure that you press them as high as possible, like Man City and Liverpool do, to get that, that high press early uh, before the other team gain total control of possession. Yeah, spot on. Really good points there. Here at CV Spaces, we always like to share, share some insights, some advice. We've got coaches listening in. So um, starting with Sam and talking about overloads, but I wanted to ask you about individually, what coaching methods can these coaches help players uh, with creating overloads, whether that's technique, movement, etc. Yeah, I guess you you've got to kind of again it comes back to what, what type of overloads you're working at. So like in your training, your defensive overloads are going to stretch the attackers. It's going to be more realism, um, but your attacking overloads will then obviously stretch the defenders. Probably less realism, but you might get more repetition. Um, individually, I guess a lot of it is the, the timing of the movement. Um, and, and a lot of like positioning work um, it can can help with that. I, I think that you might you know put in neutrals and, and create overloads naturally that way, so, so teams can benefit from from that extra player. Or you might go a little bit more tactical and and like Dino said before, specific patterns to, to work on on you know, the same idea. So, so the understanding's there, but then you you get the timing of, of the movement, which is just as important because. Generally, obviously, if you're creating an overload, you you might have to sacrifice it somewhere else on the pitch, um, and and not kind of stitching yourself up where you commit totally to the overload on one side, but then you leave yourself, you know, without the balance on the other side. So, so that timing about how players move, and um, if you work with one player, for me, I have to work with with the second and the third player because a lot of movements then comes from rotations and and like like I just discussed then about people covering for you as well. Um, so, like the fullbacks go in, the centre mids are probably going to, some of the closest ones are going to cover you. So, so that balance and timing of movements and, and the position in between, certainly the, those two or three players around the ball, is, is probably your best place to start. Um, and then, like like any kind of attacking action, it's all about your, your qualities on the ball as an individual, the, the elements of disguise and creativity and unpredictable play. Um, and and Dino said it then, you, you merge in. Kind of quality on the ball with with hard work and and, and that, that that pairing is is what the best teams do the most. 
And Dino, if we're talking more on the team basis, have you got any training drills to help improve this kind of movement? I mean, you've mentioned kind of Pep and how the repetition, but is there anything specific you can try and describe to any coaches listening in for this? Well, I think uh, I think we spoke about the overload in possession. Uh, Sam explained really well uh, the overload out possession as well. Uh, I, I think one of probably one of the most important aspects of the modern modern game now, uh, creating overload in attack and transition. Uh, and we've seen Spurs how well they did it yesterday. Uh, where when you win the ball back, uh, how can you get as forward uh, as quickly as possible uh, with numbers? And, and last season, especially Leeds United, uh, Bielsa's team, they were absolutely joy to watch. And how you see those red arrows going forward whenever they have the ball. Uh, I think that's something you can coach as well. Uh, in terms of coaching, for all the coaches out there, be creative. Uh, don't copy session. Go out there, take bits of the game that you coach and put them into session. And recreate your own session. Uh, be creative with it. Make sure that your message is clear to the players. Uh, make sure that uh, your players get in the buy-in. Give them the reason why they're doing it and uh, and what they're going to get from it. And, and of course, uh, got to be a joy out there as well when they have success with whatever you're doing and create an overload. It seems a lot talking about attacking players, really. Make them score lots of goals. Uh, give them a lot of success for them to buy into it. Rather than give them something too difficult, it keeps breaking down, and then and then you end up actually having the reverse effect to it. Uh, but be creative, uh, give them give them more freedom, especially with the ball. Uh, you don't don't have to be too specific, too hard on them. Just give them some guidelines and let them express themselves within that structure of the team. If that makes sense. Yeah, some really good advice there. Really appreciate that. Sam, I've just put um I've just put your book, a link to your book up on the spaces. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so it's a look at pretty much some similar sort of stuff we've been discussing for the last half hour or so, lots of different tactical ideas from 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 the last year in, in the Premier League and, and through the pandemic and I guess a little bit on how COVID's affected the game in general, but lots of different tactical ideas from teams all across the league it's not just the, what the top teams do because the, you know, there's there's really interesting stuff all throughout the league um, and it's interesting some of the points we've discussed tonight about kind of counter-attacking and wide overloads and deep defending a lot of the, the stuff that, that me and Dean have mentioned is is covered in the book uh, as well and it's great to see some stuff from, from last year that's carried on this year maybe as a consequence of COVID not sure but um, I think it's it's great that you know, we've got so many top coaches and managers in the game at the country at the minute that almost on a weekly basis, there's there's ideas to discuss and, and to look at and go into detail. And, and, and hopefully the book does that. And, and as I say, it's it's very much based on lots of stuff from last year, but there's plenty of stuff from, from then that's, that's carried over this year. Um, and all 20 teams are covered at, at some stage, but some will have more detail than, than the others. Um, so Dean has already mentioned about Leeds there. Like last year, they were fascinating. Certainly playing out from the back and how they how they dealt with teams that that, that pressed them and, and um, you know got after them early doors, but but struggled with Bielsa's intensity. Um, I'm sure Dean would be happy to know that there is a chapter dedicated to Pep and uh, Man City. <laughs> but 
uh, well, for, for me, Pep's been kind of analysed a lot in possession and rightly so because some of his ideas are brilliant. But I wanted to look at something else. So we looked at, at his pressing and his high pressing on the other side of the game for Pep. Um, and then interestingly enough, I looked at, at Liverpool's defensive transition and how they defended counter-attack. So if you watch the game yesterday or obviously picked up anything from today, um, it leads quite nicely into into that. So um, I'd like to say it was all planned. But um, I, I think yeah. I think Jurgen Klopp should have, should have a look at your, your book, Sam. <laughs> yeah, well, you can tell him then, mate, not me. <laughs> Sounds like a perfect uh, stocking filler just in time for Christmas. Uh, Dino, should we get any uh, Burton performances from 2021 in there? Well, I hope so. Our season has been up and down. Uh, obviously, uh, we're lacking that big consistency, but we're not too worried about that because we've got a very, very young team. Uh, I think uh, the, the age, the average of the, of the team is 23. Uh, it's totally different that, to the team that we inherited last season. Uh, we're looking to try and develop uh, players because we are League 2, League 2. There is a lot of big clubs out there in League 2. A lot of people speak about the Championship, how tough it is, but actually League 1 is is the toughest league out there. I think there is 12 ex-Premier clubs with their big budget. Uh, as Burton Albion, we, can, we can't really compete there with them financially or, or as, a, as a club, uh, as a fan base. But what we can do is we can make sure that we recruit the, the right type of players to develop them. And hopefully the, the future of the football club uh, will be in much, much better position. Dino, obviously you've had experience as a head coach. What would you say your main coaching principles are or playing style are? And do you get to have a say on that and work with Jimmy on that at Burton? Absolutely, yes. I think uh, I think your coaching philosophy, your coaching, I think uh, is always evolving. You're always learning. You're always tweaking. Uh, you start with something. Uh, since we came to Burton, I think we uh, we had a look at the team. Uh, the team was, uh, I think, bottom of the league with eight points drift from safety. So the priority was uh, to to create a defensive structure. I think the team conceded about 53 goals in 20 games before we take over. So the first thing you do is when you take a job like that, you look at the team, you look at the weaknesses. And the, the weakness was, was clear to us was... Uh, the, the amount of goal conceded. So we had to make sure that we got defensive structure in place where it gave us that uh, solidity first and foremost. And then, uh, and then, and then uh, that hopefully will give, you, uh, will give you the chance to counter teams and uh, create chance from the counter-attack. So we had to concede a lot of possession uh, in order to, for us to be a solid team defensively that can create chances in, uh, in the counter-attack. And that, uh, and that gave us a huge success last season. Um, and then this season we had to evolve a little bit more, uh, trying to keep the same defensive structure, by, but by uh, use the ball a little bit better, uh, be more possession-based team, if that makes sense, develop those players with the ball uh, and, and try to, to, to create a, an attractive playing style. Uh, without losing that defensive structure to, to it. So it's a it's process. Uh, we are lucky at Burton Albion. We've got a fantastic chairman, fantastic football club that will give you time to develop certain philosophies, certain style of play. But as we see it, uh, it's quite a volatile environment in League 2 and League 1 and Championship as well, as well as the Premier League. It's quite hard to have the time to implement your own philosophy. So normally when you get a job, you jump in straight away, analyse, have a look at the team, uh, see what they got, what they haven't got, and try and work from there. And hopefully, if you get enough time, then you can implement your own philosophy with it uh, slowly, slowly. Like I said, it's a process. 
we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks, guys. Thanks to everyone listening. And I hope you have a good evening and a good Christmas and a happy new year. That's it for this week's episode. But if you are a coach yourself, you may be interested in our very own coach education platform, CV Academy. Aimed at coaches at all levels of the game, it helps them develop through premium coach-focused content delivered by a growing network of elite academy and grassroots coaches. You'll find loads of great content on there, including the on-demand version of the technology panel that formed part of our coaching conference in September 2021. It's the fourth of five sessions from the conference that will appear on the Academy and focuses on the increasing importance of technology in football. It's well worth a watch, so get over to academy.coachesvoice.com to check it out. We're also giving listeners to CV Spaces or the podcast 50% off their first month when you sign up to CV Academy. All you need to do is use discount code CV Spaces when you reach a checkout point. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. We'll be back in 2022 with more top-level coaches analysing the biggest talking points in the elite game and sharing their best coaching practices, advice and insights. If you want to join the next CV Spaces live, then drop us a follow on Twitter at Coach's Voice. And a big thank you to our guest speakers, Sam Medino, and thanks to everyone who listened in.